Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Never has that uh, let, let's go rang more true than on a Friday. Welcome in, Hornets fans, and happy Friday. This Locked On Hornets podcast is presented by Hive Talk Live. It's, high, it's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the head of the Get David Blatt, his championship ring political action committee, David Walker. You must be ecstatic, David. You've, you finally won. Yeah, he, he put in some work there, right? You, you're not on board with that? Uh, I don't know. It just seems if I were David Blatt, I would. I don't know if I would accept it. Well, that's like, a different story, but I, I think it's a nice gesture. But yeah, I, I don't. Here's my thing. I'm I'm totally against doing things just to do them or or doing things. I'm not about <laughs> I'm not about pomp nor circumstance. Well, I don't think it's necessarily that. I mean, let's be honest. This came down to one man's decision and one man only, and I think we know who that man is. Uh, he wears a crown upon his head. So I'm sure if LeBron signed off on it. Prince Charles. Yeah. Always getting in, (laughs) always getting in American politics and sports. Those (laughs) British. We are part of the locked on podcast network podcast on your favorite teams delivered week daily Panthers fans. The home opener is this weekend. Head over to iTunes after the show and subscribe to the locked on Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. Also NBA fans head over to locked on NBA to hear a great interview with Utah jazz head coach, Quinn Snyder, a lot of insider NBA basketball information in that one. I learned a ton. Head over again, locked on NBA podcast there on Audio Boom or iTunes. If you have a question or a comment or a food rant that you want to uh, uh, let us know, you can uh, email us at buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. We're wrapping up crossover week here on the Locked On Podcast Network with a team the Hornets really struggled with last season, the Boston Celtics. They landed a big talent in Al Horford and are ready to separate themselves from the rest of the Eastern Conference pack. I talked to John Corrales, one half of the Locked On Celtics podcast. Take a listen. I saw on Twitter you're very tall. I, I am. I'm a tall individual, yes. How tall are you, John? Six foot five. That's good. That's that's a good side. What, what does that make you a... Uh, Most, but not as tall as some of the people we cover, so... Yeah, I was going to say, what does that make you, a, a really tall point guard and a short shooting guard? Yeah, yeah, I'm a tweener. That's why I never, my career never took off. <laughs> I was a tweener before it was cool. That's awesome. Well, John... Now I'd be versatile. <laughs> That's like Marvin Williams. We, we talked uh, a lot about Marvin Williams, how you know he had to convert to being a tweener because of uh, some explosiveness that he lost due to some injuries. And the NBA kind of found him or refound him. Uh, it's amazing. It's, yeah. it's something that used to be a negative, and now it's a positive. Crazy. Well, it, it's a positive that we we have you on the show here, and we're talking about the Boston Celtics. You're the host of Locked On Celtics, along with you. You what, what do you got? You're called the reigning Jays, right? 
Well, yeah, we originally were the Rain and Jay's podcast with me and Jay King. And what ended up happening was Locked On, you know, David Locke came to us and asked us to join the network. So we, we kind of kept the Rain and Jay's touch by being the Locked On Celtics with the Raining Jays. So... Well, we're we're kindred spirits in that then because we were Hive Talk Live and we joined the Locked On Podcast Network and became the Locked On or Locked On Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. So we share some yeah. some similar background yeah. there. Uh, so, yeah. John, let's kick this thing off and, and talk about the Celtics. We talked earlier with Adi Joseph from Sporting News. He's very high on the Celtics prospects this year. Uh, it sees them as as one of the top teams in the East. What's your perspective? How how high are you on the Celtics this season? I, I think they've position, positioned themselves very well. They are probably, I'd say, a top three team. Though they will be in the mix if everything goes the way we think it would go. In the mix to be the second seed, and in a best case scenario. If the Cavs tend to coast and if LeBron tends to take more of the regular season slowly, then maybe they'll kind of drop off a little bit just in the regular season. I still expect them to be in the the, the NBA Finals. But regular season-wise, they might drop off enough where that first seed kind of gets interesting, but that's like a best-case scenario. John, give us the Cliff Notes version of how this team operates offensively and defensively. Well, how they operate offensively, it's going to be interesting with Al Horford because he brings an entirely different dynamic. So that's still an unknown. But the the whole mantra for Brad Stevens is pace and space, and he wants a high-volume team that takes efficient shots. So I think what we're going to see, I think the Celtics were maybe the top, I forget off the top of my head, but they were like top five in pace last season. So they're, they're going to be a high fast paced team based off their defense. And they're going to use that defense to create a lot of their offense in the half court. They're going to rely heavily on the pick and roll with Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford. And I would see them surrounding those two guys. With three-point threats, Avery Bradley's a three-point threat. Jay Crowder's a three-point threat. I would expect that uh, when he's healthy, Kelly Olynyk would be the fifth starter, so he could be a stretch four slash five and be another threat to really open things up and unleash Isaiah Thomas, who's one of the the best at getting fishing at the rim. That that's what the Celtics are going to be looking to do offensively, and then hopefully when he draws that, we'll kick it out and hitting threes at a higher percentage than they did last year. And then defensively, I mean, Al Horford, a, a good defender. Do what, what does he add defensively to this team? I know I they're think, already a pretty skilled defensive team. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty highly ranked defensive team last year. The upgrade from Jared Sullinger to Al Horford is immense. And I like Sullinger. They, they lose some rebounding with Sullinger. And he's a pretty good passer, better passer than most people realize, but still undersized. And his, his ability to protect the rim was simply in trying to take charges, which he did at a, and an acceptable rate, but he's not going to be the type of shot altering guy, not necessarily a shot blocker, but at least shot altering. 
in Al Horford. And what it really does is it allows the Celtics to put Amir Johnson, another rim defending big on the bench and sub them in and out for one another. This way you've got somebody that's there all the time. And so that's going to be a huge thing because the Celtics lacked that last season. So they're going to be disciplined on their closeouts. They're going to be tight on their rotations. That is a point of emphasis from uh, Brad Stevens. They're going to now have a rim defender. So they're going to, and, and let's not forget that they have first team all defense, Avery Bradley out there and Marcus smart, who's a bulldog who has all defense, first team, all defense potential in him. So they've got two real good perimeter defenders on top of a guy in the back now that can kind of quarterback that defense and block a few more shots and start these fast breaks that's going to lead to a more efficient offense. The Celtics lose Jared Sullinger and Evan Turner. That's all. That's more than 20 points per game last season. Other than Al Horford, uh, who makes up that difference? Who picks up that slack for the loss of those two guys? I think what they're really going to be looking for is uh, some slight uptick in the production from some of these other guys. Kelly Lennox is going to be really important. He had that shoulder injury last year, and he's trying to recover from that. He seems like he'll be fine. But they're going to look for a little bit more from him. And just steps forward from Marcus Smart, who shot very, very poorly last year. Don't go look at his numbers. Those are rated R or NC-17. That's it's under password only on basketballreference.com. They're that bad. <laughs> but they, hopefully that Marcus Smart can get back to at least average on a lot of the things. And, and there's promise for Marcus Smart because he's had months where he was shooting really well. But then he had months where he shot very, very poorly. And the Celtics are going to need some consistency from him. He's going to his third year. And the thing to remember with Marcus is that in his first two years, he's missed significant time due to injuries. And he started his rookie year when Rajon Rondo was here. And that feels like it was 10 years ago, but it's really, he's going into his third season. So this is his first full year and a defined role. And with Evan Turner gone, he's going to be looked at, I think, uh, as a guy that's going to handle more of those backup point guard duties. So I think with a more defined role and hopefully a healthier year, Marcus Smart is going to give better, more efficient production. And then they're going to look for some guys off of the bench. Terry Rozier had a very nice summer league, and that's not always an indication of what they're going to do in the regular season. But I think that Rozier in his second year has an opportunity from what he's shown developmentally to, to make at least somewhat of a contribution. He could be a wild card off of that bench that could come in, hit some shots, make some good decisions. And I think the, the main thing for him in summer league was that he was making good decisions with the ball, not just overpowering people athletically. So he's a guy that we might get five, seven, nine points a game out of. And like I said, some, some steps forward, maybe if Jay Crowder can up his three-point percentage a little bit, if these guys with all of the spacing can get to the line a little bit more, you'll see that 20 points per game that was lost kind of made up collectively as a team. I'm looking at Smart's shooting numbers now. Per 36, he attempted over five three-pointers a game, and uh, the percentage is just a tick above 25 percent. Oh my God, my computer just my computer just caught on fire. My computer just my computer is completely in flames. 
Marcus, <laughs> Marcus, if you're listening to me, you owe me a MacBook. This is absurd. <laughs> I will say that he took some terrible shots last year. His shooting decisions have been poor. And I'm hoping, and this is more hopeful, there's no evidence, but it's more hopeful that under a more stable system, knowing what minutes he's going to get and when, and, and hopefully staying healthy, that he will be able to run the offense more and get more threes in the flow of the offense. I don't care that he takes five threes a game. I just care what kind of threes he's taking. And if he takes just better, more in the flow of the offense shots, they're going to fall a little bit more often. And just, I mean, if he gets that up to league average, then it's a dramatically different story with him. John, last question. We'll get you out of here. Help me finish this sentence. If the Celtics blank, they're probably winning this ball game. Whew. If the Celtics, we need that old match game music. That's probably that's pretty close. If the Celtics, if the Celtics defend, they're probably winning this game. That's that's their whole thing. If they defend the way they're capable of defending, then everything they do flows off of that. They're a defense first team. They will get a lot of fast break opportunities. You got a lot of guys on this team that are rhythm type of guys. Isaiah Thomas loves taking transition threes. The whole offense, the half court offense, everything starts to flow a lot better when they're forcing turnovers, getting out and running. And they're playing happy basketball. So if the Celtics defend, they're probably winning this game. The Celtics full of really fast players, really athletic players, and then you add the versatility of Al Horford. John, this seems like a very dangerous team, and uh, good luck covering them. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of exciting things to cover on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. John Corral is there, Doug. Great chat about the Celtics and, uh, you know, you expressed some of your frustration or I guess, you know, in some of these talks about the Celtics, just because guess what, Doug, they're going to be pretty good. <laughs> they're going to be good again. They have one of the, probably the best coaches in the NBA. It's hard not to like Brad Stevens. And then they add a talent in Al Horford that a lot of people were going after. And that's going to be a tough team to beat for the Hornets again this year and everyone else really. Yeah. It was tough for them to beat them last season and they add you know Al Horford, which addresses pretty much every weakness they had offensively and defensively, and uh, they're they're going to be a tough team. But that's not all we have on the Celtics, David. I asked Adi Joseph, deputy editor at Sporting News, about his thoughts on what makes the Celtics tick. We start with his thoughts on Celtics starting small forward Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is a master. He's Jay Crowder is one of the most underrated, underpaid players in the NBA and if you haven't seen that it's because you didn't watch the Celtics last season yeah I was gonna say when he when he exited with his injury uh you could immediately see the effect that it had on the Celtics team talk about that what what did they miss when he was gone I I was actually on a at the time at the Hive podcast um Hive Talk Live Talk Live yeah well see you can see it on the logo we're still presented by Hive Talk Live but we we do have the new locked on (laughs) Locked on Podcast Network banner now. Well, I was on Hive Talk Live, and we had a good discussion about the possibility of 
the Hornets passing the Celtics. And of course, at the time we were talking, they got to Horn- beat them first. The, 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 the fun part was the the you know that last season. It was like we were talking about: Can they pass the Heat? Can they pass the Hornets? Can, can they pass the Hawks? Can they pass the Celtics? Turned out all four teams ended up with the exact same record. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, you know. That eight, that Jay Crowder injury is the reason the Celtics did not get the three seed. It is. It, it, it when you look at the way they played with him and the way they played without him, Crowder does three things really well. One, he is the perfect defender for any forward and most shooting guards. Two, he has the ability to go back and forth in a way that basically preserves the team identity because he can naturally play the four. And he has learned over the last couple years in the NBA how to become a natural three, too. So what we have is this guy who has extreme versatility. But then furthermore, the big thing that happened last season was he actually got good. He actually became a good basketball player. For years with the Mavericks, he was versatile but not good. And versatile with that but not good is... It helps a little bit in filling out the back of a rotation, but it's not that useful. And uh, that's that was the big get, jump for for Croft, for Crowder last season was he made this huge jump in efficiency, huge jump in offensive creation, understanding his role, and it was really it was kind of cool to see a player the light just come on for a player and, and see him take off like that. And I'll add one more. The Celtics are paying him six point two million for the next four years. <laughs> they had they signed him to a <laughs> they signed him to a five year thirty five million dollar contract uh, in last off season. Uh, it's it's the best contract in the NBA, I think, truly. Well, let's. Uh, so I've, I've asked this question of a few of and during a few of these previews. How do the Boston Celtics beat a basketball team next season? What what do they do uh, that says okay, yeah, they're winning this ball game? The beauty of Brad Stevens might be the best strategic X's and O's type coach in the NBA. Uh, I'll probably say him and Carlisle um, are the very best at game planning. He he looks for your weaknesses. He sets up his team in a way that's very versatile, and so. You're going to see the Celtics doing a whole lot of things on offense. When Isaiah Thomas is on the court, they're a completely different team than when Marcus Smart is running point. And what they're going to do to beat you is stretch out your defense, no matter who's the no matter who the personnel it is. They're going to be very athletic. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to play smart defense that forces you away from the shots you want. Essentially, the Celtics are a team that is significantly greater than the sum of its parts and now is starting to actually have those parts that make that even more impressive. Adi Joseph there, good friend of the show, Doug. Um, yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking of when you let out that exasperated sigh uh, about the deal they've got for Jay Crowder there. I mean, is that the best one in the NBA? Yeah, think about this, David. The Hornets are paying Roy Hibbert uh, five plus million dollars. Okay. So a million more and you've got Jay Crowder. Yeah, absolutely amazing. When we, when, when the Hornets signed Kimball Walker and they signed, that was 12 million and they signed MKG for 13 million. All the talk was those are great deals because the money's going to go up. Okay. Well, the Celtics signed Jay Crowder who is, who had borderline, you know, or not all-star play, but he's, he's getting there. He's getting there. 
and yeah. you know they're going to have him for six million dollars. It's disgusting. It's just I think I think really I think is. Commissioner Stern should look into it. That's what I'm saying. Bold take. No, I'm kidding. And, and Adi's right. You know, I mean, he's a name that's floated around basketball circles uh, as being vastly underrated and certainly important to that team. But if you get a chance, and you'll probably get plenty of chances this year to watch the Celtics. I mean, Jay Crowder is vital. And you guys hit on it when he went out last year. That was a real hit to that team. So you throw him back in there, you throw Horford in there, you throw another year with Stevens, another year with Isaiah Thomas and that whole crew. I mean, yeah, they had one more piece, right? I mean, that's got to be their next step. Yeah, I think the one thing that's going to hold the the Celtics back from possible championship contention is they still don't have that one superstar, that one go-get-me-a-basket guy, Isaiah Thomas, Probably that go-to person this season for the Celtics. Can he, you know, can he get you a basket in crunch time, or will his uh, deficiencies in size be exploited, you know, late in a game or in a tough playoff series? We'll have to see. Uh, also, three-point shooting. I mean, they have they have a plenty of bigs that can can extend the floor, but their guards didn't shoot well last season, and their bigs shot great for bigs, but you know, relative to the rest of the league, that three-point shooting for the Boston Celtics has to get better. Okay, we're continuing our look at where Hornets players are falling in top 100 lists around the internet. Today, it's Nick Batum's turn. The Hornets starting two guard upped his game big time last season, taking a more aggressive role on offense than he had in any of his years in Portland. I talked to Kelly Scaletta of todaysfastbreak.com about where he had Nick Batum in his top 100 summer countdown of NBA players. Back again, Kelly Scaletta joining us here from todaysfastbreak.com where he is counting down the top 100 NBA players in his estimation. He has his own methodology, his own secret formula for breaking down the top 100. We love this list. Kelly, thanks for coming back on the show. Tell listeners how you have derived your top 100 list, which we should say is not fully complete yet. So you can follow along live as you release uh, these uh, these new members of the top 100. To compile the list, I initially just set up some some uh, the major metrics like win shares, win shares per 48, uh, player efficiency rating, and real plus minus. And then I weighted those things to determine a, a, a rough idea of who last year's top 100 were. And then I projected how those uh, might change over next year, including some players who are younger. I, I boosted them more and uh, or injured. I considered those sorts of things. So, yeah, it's uh, partly statistical-based, but with some subjectivity involved. Well, we come to Nick Batum, who was one of, if not the MVP for the Hornets last season. You have him ranked at number 56, and you write that his quick decision-making is one of his strongest assets on the offensive side of the floor. How do you feel like that helps elevate his offensive game? You see the same thing with with Draymond Green. The way that the NBA is evolving and with stretching the court and uh, the the, uh, the idea is you, you find an open shot and you take it. Not just being quick with your feet or quick with your hands, being quick with your mind and seeing and anticipating the next pass before you even touch the ball can be huge because that's how you can find an open shooter or know when to take the open shot. And Batum uh, is, is, is exceptional with that. I looked up the number of assists they had 
compared to the amount of time they were actually holding the ball um, or the points created off of those assists because, you know, three-point assists matter more than two-point assists. Nicholas Batum was second in the league in that. That sort of thing can really elevate an offense. He just made, like you said, he made everybody on the team better because he, he got them open shots. He fed them the ball. He led the team on assists. And it's, which I don't, I don't know if anybody saw that coming when they made the trade last year. That that Batum would be your assist leader. It did, it did, or right. it did was uh, in, in in Charlotte. Did you guys think that would happen? Well, I, I think we knew that he was an unselfish player in Portland. That he was a distributor, and that we had a shoot first point guard, a score first point guard in Kemba Walker. So. I mean, I think it's fair to say that that folks here were expecting him to come in and distribute. I think there was an expectation that he would score um, more in volume than he ended up scoring, averaged uh, just under 15 points a game. I think Hornets fans would have liked to see that uh, increase. But, you know, you have to establish relationships. You have to find your place on the team. And I think that's what year one was about for Nick Batum and and that's why I like your point about quick decision making. You know, he was at he was at the same time decisive but also um he was exploring, exploring who he worked best with and the coaches were were exploring what, you know, playing groups uh made sense to put Nick Batum in, but through it all no matter what his scoring averages were, the Hornets fans got a taste of it at the end of the season and in the playoffs. He hit big shot after big shot. So I don't care if he scores 15 or 20. Give me Nick Batum in the fourth quarter uh, down three with four minutes to go. I want the ball going to Nick Batum uh, at the three-point line because he's just he has ice water in his veins. He's been playing professionally since he was 16 years old. Um, I, I like the way, Kelly, that you have done these rankings because they, they are not just, okay, this player is ranked X and that's it, and this is why. You have uh, a ceiling and a floor ranking for every single one of these players. So you know how high their ranking could go based uh, on your analysis and how low their ranking could go uh, based on that same analysis. You have Nick Batum floored out at number 75, so it's still in the top 100, but it's it's less than a 20 position drop. Is that just a year after a contract year type of hedge on your part? Yeah, exactly. That that's all it is. It's, you know, a guy like that, you have a contract year, and then the next year, sometimes they fall back to where they were before they had that magnificent year. And you know, I, I tended to depending on on where I thought. They would be. I I, I I place them differently in there. You know whether they're closer to their floor, or closer to their ceiling. Um, I think uh, he's kind of in the middle. I think his ceiling was thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Ceiling listed uh, at thirty-five. So I mean, that's a top forty player. I honestly, I could see that even going higher because he has so much room still yet to develop as a scorer. And I think if you're going to see one development in Kimball Walker, he improved his efficiency scoring the basketball last season. I think if if Kimba and Nick continue to develop that backcourt um, comfort level, you could see the ball coming from Kimba to Nick more often. And if that's the case, then I think you see Nick Batum in better position to score, scoring more. I really think he could be a top 30 player. 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's some I, I consider top thirty all star. Um, and I see him just outside of that picture. Uh, mostly because I just think that there are too many really good forwards in the Eastern Conference right now that I can't quite put them on their level yet. Guys like, you know, LeBron James, obviously, Paul George, and Jimmy Butler is now moving to the, to the small forward spot. So it's, you know, there's just, there's just too many small forwards that are ahead of him in the East for, for, for me to see him making the All-Star game. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully if, if Michael Kidd Gilchrist remains healthy, he's going to take that small, f- and, you know, all of these roles are, you know, we, we, yeah, we you, make these roles, but, and, and unfortunately they, they do have a bearing on the, on the all-star game, you know, guards versus forwards. But I think if, if MKG stays healthy, you won't have to move Nick Batum down to the forward position like you did last season, and he could stay in yeah, that guard and, and, and have a, have a shot there. Yeah, if he can move to the if he moves to the guard, then then uh, that would help. And I really, really love Batum and, and, and MKG playing together on the defensive end. That that's going to be shut down central right there. Uh, Batum is, is is so good defensively, and I think people might have forgotten how good MKG is. Uh, he has the potential to be uh, the second best wing defender in the NBA. I, I don't think he's going to be Kawhi Leonard. But he might be the second best if he's, you know, if he can avoid injury uh, within the next couple of years, he might be the second best. So that that's going to be a fun team to watch. Just, you know, if you like watching defense, it's going to be fun watching those two together. So, Kelly, at this point right now, uh, Nick Batum is the highest-ranked Hornet. We haven't seen uh, where the rest of your rankings are going to fall yet. And uh, I, I I agree with you on Cody Zeller. I like that. I like the area you have him in. Uh, Marvin Williams. Um, I probably am a little lower on Marvin Williams that than some people, uh, just because I just think that it's going to be tough to replicate what happened last season, especially as as Father Time continues to creep up. So I, I, I'm okay with 70 for Marvin Williams, but I have to take a little bit of issue uh, just with one one little small thing, and that's Danilo Gallinari getting the slight the slightest of nods over Nick Batum. You have Danilo <laughs> ranked at 55, and yeah. and I just I look at their games, and I I mean obviously Danilo had uh, more offensive volume to his game. But, you know, I think Nick Batum's uh, value over replacement player was much higher than Danilo. And I just think when you look at the whole package that both of these guys have to offer, Nick Batum, in my estimation, can affect an entire team. Whereas Danilo, I think, can can contribute significantly on the offensive end, hurts you on the defensive end a little bit, and, and really can't uh, affect the entire team like Nick Batum can. What, what do you think about that? I, I think that's fair. I, 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 you know, like, and that's one of the reasons. I didn't bring, I listen, Kelly, I didn't bring you on to attack your rankings because I love your <laughs> rankings. I just had to take a little small issue with with Danilo. No, no, no. I think that, and actually, with 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 Crowder, Gallon, I have Crowder fifty four, uh, or I have uh, Crowder fifty five, Gallinari fifty six, and Batum fifty seven. And see, here's so, what here's here's the thing. So, like Crowder is a guy, and we we talked about this a lot. When Crowder went out for Boston, you immediately saw a dip in Boston's performance because 
of the secret ways and the not so secret ways that Jay Crowder affected that basketball team. And Nick Batum, same thing. You saw uh, when he uh, had to leave for his injuries throughout the season and in the playoffs, how it affected the Hornets offensively and defensively. Uh, But with Danilo, I think, look, the Denver Nuggets stunk last year. And if you take Danilo away, they're, they're probably still stinking at the same level of stink. Well, he missed about uh, 29 games. They were nine games below 500 when he didn't play, and they were there were there were nine games below 500 when he played, but there were seven games below 100 500 when he didn't play. So they because of the you know he obviously played more games than he missed. Their winning percentage was pretty impactful. He, he did have an impact, but um, I, I, there, 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 there's there's layers to that. I, I think you do have a point where if you're looking for a uh, if you if you're looking for a guy that can be kind of that unifying player um, that sort of can, the glue guy that brings all the pieces together and has th- that kind of impact and I you know I, th- these guys are synergy players they they make everything work even if their their stats aren't eye popping um, and. Uh, but Toom is one of those guys. Crowder is one of those guys that even if they're not having a big box score night, they can still have a big impact on a game. Uh, Gallinari is not that kind of guy, and, and and so if that's your if that's your priority, then then I can see that being a fair argument. Before I let you go, I, I don't see Kimba Walker on here yet. Uh, I want to give our listeners a hint, maybe a little uh, a little hint about where we might see him land. I don't know. Okay, I will tell you this. He is somewhere between Stephen Curry. <laughs> okay. And uh, let's say Carmelo Anthony. All right. Oh, I like that hint. Okay. He's ahead of Carmelo Anthony. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, oh. listen, that's a great man. That Kelly, that was an amazing tease because now I want to find out where you have Carmelo <laughs> Anthony and I want to find out where you have Kimball Walker. So make sure you're paying attention to todaysfastbreak.com and Kelly Scaletta, his top 100 summer countdown of NBA players. It really is. It is a great. It is a great read. And if nothing else, it will give you some ammunition for those uh, for those bar conversations that you have uh, that you have about which player you think is better in the NBA. So Kelly, we want to thank you for joining us. We're going to have you back on once you do reveal where Kimba Walker falls. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And where can people follow you on Twitter, Kelly? At Kelly Scaletta. K-E-L-L-Y-S-C-A-L-E-T-T-A. Another great session there with Kelly Scaletta, Doug, and Nick Batum. Certainly one of our favorite additions from the Hornets last year, one of the biggest additions across the NBA. And you guys hit on it. I mean, his ability to create and bring uh, the assists, really. Um, and you know, he asked you if, if, if we thought that they would he would bring that level of creation to the Hornets last year. And, of course, with Kimball Walker being that scoring point guard, as he pointed out, uh, we did kind of foresee that or at least hope to see that. And and certainly that's, you know, we want to see that again continue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, what did you think about my – I kind of went in on him a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I really love his list, but I had an issue with Nick Batum being under Danilo Gallinari. How did you feel about that? Yeah. Where did you land on that? No, I, well, I think you did it in a in a nice way. Uh, you guys had to get back and forth, but we're still yeah, friends. You know, Don't worry, I, Kelly and I are still, still good buds. friends. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. You didn't burn any bridges, no. uh, any more bridges. 
Right. Uh, pizza places, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> not included. Let's um, not, hey, the lawyers don't want us to talk about that. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm with you. I think he's certainly more important to his team than, well, you know, I mean, Gallinari's, I guess, is important, but where he landed, I think Batum, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I think he's vitally important. He was such a big piece of that team last year. And I think he has been too, right? I mean, he's a bit more of an established, maybe certainly not an all-star level guy just yet, but right outside that in my eyes. And, you know, certainly could be up there with a good start to the season. Yeah, I feel like Kelly may be underrating Nicholas Batum just a little bit. 43rd, he ranked in the SI Top 100. Ben Golliver ranking him 43rd up from 55 last season and you know I, I tend to agree I, I think that he is a, a definitely a top 50 player they have him ranked above Danilo they have him ranked above Isaiah Thomas who had an all-star season last season and they ranked him above DeMar DeRozan do you think you think Nick Batum's a better shooting guard than DeMar DeRozan all around I mean I think that's certainly going to raise some eyebrows with those two guys Thomas and DeRozan right because one, uh, both were all-stars um one was on team USA the other one probably could have been um but I think from an all-around standpoint and what he brings to the team it's it's justified right I mean DeRozan has some of his limitations um probably with creation I guess and and those are both scoring guys and of course Batum can score but he brings more in those other areas so I think that's got to be part of the argument. Now I totally agree with you David and we'll certainly have uh, uh, many more debates about where these players are ranked as uh, we get ready to kick off the 2016-17 season. I'm excited basketball is almost here. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Hornets presented by Hive Talk Live. It's been a first it's been a fun first week back for both David and I and uh, we can't wait to get into next week when we start doing depth chart breakdowns. We'll have Justin Thomas and Dustin Pfeiffer both a uh, Hive Talk Live correspondents and we'll also have Nick Denning and many more from At The Hive coming on to help us break down the depth chart positions, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. We're going to cover it all. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. We want to hear from you. Email us your Hornets thoughts, your questions, your comments to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. Hive Talk Live and Locked On Hornets is a presentation of SB Nations at thehive.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17